Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I am uh, I'm pretty excited for today's show because I've had a lot of thoughts and honestly, like some actual information um, that I haven't shared, um, and it relates to Daniel Arias. And I think that now is the right time to really just dig in to Daniel Arias and his game and what I've heard about him and about some others who work pretty closely with him and uh, why there's reason to be excited um, about him this season. And uh, I don't know. I've kind of been saving all of this stuff for a while just because there hasn't been like a real reason to run with it. And today I finally had my reason to run with it. Um, so this is going to be a fun show. Um, we don't we don't get to talk much about football um, on this podcast, as crazy as it sounds, just because there's so much other stuff. You know, the 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 most important things that are going on are about the off the field stuff. Is there going to be a season? And it, it is important to follow all that stuff. And there also just isn't all that much new information. Um, but today we're going to get football heavy and that's why I woke up smiling this morning. Okay. Uh, before we do that though, I do want to tell you more or yeah, tell you more about Manscaped. Manscaped is an incredible company. And I say that every day. And it's because I think that like five times a day, um, when I realize how much easier and better my life would be, no, wait, how much worse it would be without them. Um, how much better they made my life. You know, I live in a pretty cool spot. Like, I'm really happy with where I live, like, in Denver, downtown. But everything downtown in Denver is super expensive. And so for somebody like me, a 23-year-old with the first job out of college, uh, the only way for somebody like me to actually live here is to live in one of the older buildings. And, you know, it's it's been updated. There's, like, air conditioning units in the windows and all that kind of stuff. But... When the building was built in the 1800s, it means that it gets really hot in here. And that's why I'm so thankful for the Crop Preserver from Manscaped. Their ball deodorant. Um, obviously, the Lawnmower 3.0 contributes to why I am not just miserable sitting here in the heat all day. But uh, it really is incredible to see how well that ball deodorant works 
I mentioned on the last podcast that we went golfing uh, with Vic Lombardi and Mark Moser, and some of you guys were watching along. Um, like 4,000 people watching that. Incredible that that actually, like, people cared enough or people were that desperate for sports. But as I was driving out there, and so I'm driving out there, it's like 11 in the morning. At that point, you know, in the day in Colorado, it's already pretty hot. And I'm in my car, and I'm already sweating from my armpits about five minutes into the drive. And it's crazy because I think, like, I was standing there putting on deodorant for probably 15 seconds per armpit, just, like, watching it all turn white. And I was like, I I know that I that today I'm going to need quite a bit because it's going to be hot out there and I don't want to be all sweaty. I'm wearing a black shirt. Um, and immediately it, it was a problem. But all day I had no issues below the belt. And, and that's just been so true every day in this nice, hot apartment. Uh, I really cannot recommend that product enough. Um, if, if you want it, uh, the best way to get it is to get the perfect package 3.0. Um, you get the lawnmower 3.0, you get that, you get the crop preserver. I, there's a, like a pretty crazy discount for getting all of that stuff together. And you can check that out if you want at manscaped.com. Use the code DMVR20. Save 20%. Get it shipped straight to your door. It's good stuff. Okay, so let me talk first about why we're digging into Daniel Arias today. Um, my, my Athlon Sports college football preview got here this morning. Um, it's one of the best days of the year when that happens. Uh, the day the Phil Steele gets here, which is, like, I guess, Phil Steele. You guys probably know who that is. If you don't, um, longtime college football analyst. He works for ESPN, but his big project is his college football preview, and it's pretty widely considered the best one. Um, and he puts a lot of work into it. It's really good stuff. Um, and the Athlon Sports Preview I enjoy as well. That one got here today. But basically, like, that's my Christmas. It's like, oh, boy, here's my chance to read about all these teams. And then you read about somebody, you're like, oh, wow, no way. Tulane's going to be sick this year. Let's go back and watch some Tulane games from last year. And I don't know. It's just so much fun. Um, but obviously, you get the preview. What's the first thing you do? You flip to the Colorado Buffaloes page. And there's some kind of disappointing stuff in there. You know, they have a bunch of the stats that matter and, you know, confirms a bunch of the things we saw. They, they struggled to get splash plays on defense. Um, they, they couldn't score in the red zone. And there's a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. Um, that we'll be talking about and kind of have been talking about. Um, you know, the first paragraph is talking about this offseason for the Buffs and basically what happened. It's about three sentences. The first words are Mel Tucker's sudden and shocking departure. And, and then it gets into the coronavirus and how that means that there were no spring practices. Um, it's just stuff that if you had seen it a year ago, you'd be like, there's no way this is real. Mel Tucker is leaving already, and he's leaving two months after most teams have changed coaches, and then spring practice gets canceled because of a pandemic? Like, what is this? Um, so there is some pretty dark stuff, but there is one really interesting bright spot in here, and, uh, oh, I'm so excited to dig in. Um... So there's a bunch of different sections. You know, the team information, key Buffaloes, key losses, uh, 2020 schedule, 2019 results, um, numbers to know, advanced stats, uh, the individual stats, all, all of that kind of stuff. There's also the rising star box, where there's 
one name and three sentences. That name is Daniel Arias. And I'm not just going to like give you too much information about what's in here because they do charge for this. And I don't want to... As somebody who writes for a company that has a paywall, I feel like I can't just be reading what's going on um, to all of you. But they do say that he's impressed the coaches and teammates in practice for a couple years um, and that it might be his turn now because the Colorado receivers have been so deep. There's always somebody who deserves more touches and just is covered up. And... You'll remember LaVisca Chenault being that person a few years ago. You know, he's waiting behind who like Bryce Bobo, Shea Fields, um, those guys. And I'm not going to try to name any more receivers because I could be off by like a year because the truth is I was not covering the team at that time, so I don't know who exactly was covering them. Um, and, hey, there we go. Just discredited myself on my own podcast. But Daniel Arias is an interesting name to see right there. Um what do we know about Daniel Arias? We know that he is a freak of an athlete. The Buffs list him at 6'4", 205 pounds. Uh, he's, he's fast. He's strong. Um, RK might not like me telling this story, but when we went out to the protest, it was me and RK. and Or I guess I, that one wasn't necessarily a protest. It's more of a march. It was a pretty protesty march, though. It's you can call it both. Um, but the Buffs march about a month ago. Um, I was out there with RK and Allie. RK and Allie are walking up. I'm parking. I like see him. I walk over, and about 30 feet behind me is um, this massive man, massive man, and his girlfriend. And RK looks at me and says, "Who is that?" And I was like, "That's Daniel Arias." And RK probably doesn't like that because I think he would not like people knowing he didn't recognize him. But that's the truth, and that's what happened. And there's a reason that he, out of all of the people who were at that march, you know, there's there's athletes from all the sports, a whole bunch of the football players, uh, assistant coaches, um, media people, so many people who'd be like, "Huh, who's that guy?" And the guy that RK points out was the six foot four, muscular just specimen who's walking in um so there's there's just some information in case you haven't spent time around daniel arias and i think i've only talked to him twice i believe um but he's he's a big guy he's an athletic guy um we've also watched him play some football but not a whole lot you know he's he's played a lot of special teams that's really what he's been known for and he's he's been very good because he does have all the traits that you look for in a special teams player he can run down the field very fast and he's big enough to make a play when he does it um he's tough to block because he is so big also on special teams you don't have too many difficult responsibilities um at least in terms of the mental side of things it's pretty simple stay in your lane and then go get the ball so there you go and he has excelled. He has uh, three total catches in his career for 72 yards. Two of those catches were last year, one the year before. Um, he had the touchdown the year before. Um, honestly, what he might be most remembered for by Buffs fans is the drop in the end zone. What That was the Nebraska game. And uh, it was ugly. It was really ugly. And I've written a couple stories about Daniel Arias. 
and we have like a photo service that sends photographers to basically every sporting event in the United States and then we get their pictures and that gives us a whole bunch of options because basically there's somebody taking pictures at every Buffs game. There are, I think, two pictures of Daniel Arias where he is like the main subject and one of them is that drop right at the moment that you can see that it has hit his hand and it is not going to be held onto. And the other picture is him running into one of his guys on special teams and knocking the ball out. Um, it's not a great look, you know, because we haven't seen a whole lot of him. And there are some problematic things that he has done in the few times he has seen the field. Again, he's a young guy. And he's super talented. And a lot of players make mistakes. And I know that those mistakes have eaten at him. Um, after after that drop, after that drop, I went and talked to him. That was one of the couple of times that I've talked to him. And we talked about it. And he was a little bit closed off. As you'd expect, you know, it's an uncomfortable topic. But my job is to be like, hey, what's it like? You know, I've, we know that you are always the last one on the field. And that's fair to say. Because he's out there working with the jugs machine, getting balls fired at him, catching him. And that's just what he does after practice Practice is work on his hands. Just over and over and over. And it gets brought up by all the coaches. And it's just a known fact. That's what he does. You know, we see him on the field. They open the gate up. Everybody goes inside. We do our interviews. And he's just out there catching balls. And if you're trying to interview him, he's probably out there catching balls, um, making you wait to be able to interview him. He's putting in that sort of time. So what's it like when you get one of your few opportunities in a big game, in the end zone, and a ball bounces off your hands? He wasn't all that happy, and he struggled to open up about it because that is a tough topic um, to talk about. And I think that that's kind of important to know that all of that is going on, even if we've only kind of seen a couple of mistakes in his few opportunities, he does work hard in practice, and he is well known as somebody who works very hard. And now it's kind of time to see if he can put all of the pieces together because there have obviously been pieces missing. We've talked about um, what we've already talked about, of course, but having talked to people within the program, they've said that he struggled to pick up the playbook. Um, they said that there are times when he's in the wrong position on the practice field. And that's been something, and again, he's, he's a young player asked to do things that are much more complicated than anything that's been asked of him before. And a lot of players struggle with this kind of stuff, and so it's not like this huge knock. And there are plenty of reasons to think that he will be able to learn the offense and produce in the offense. But it's also true that I've had people tell me that that's been an issue for him before. When the Athlon Sports preview goes through the receivers, just like in the breakdown of the offense... I will read this line to you. This is what we have to say about the receivers. Uh, at receiver, Katie Nixon has a lot of versatility. Daniel Arias has star potential. Dimitri Stanley is a threat in the slot, and Levante Chenault, younger brother of LaVisca Chenault Jr., is an exceptional talent in his own right. He has star potential. They're seeing that, and again, in these previews, these guys are talking to coaches. And so as much as the beat reporters know a bunch of things... The most obvious 
clear-cut information sometimes comes from these types of previews because the coaches will talk and they know how much they're willing to give away and they know that this is what everybody is going to read about their team. And so you are willing to open up just a little bit and say, here's what we expect. And that's nothing that is super groundbreaking. Like we've, we've all known that he has that type of potential, but to hear the coaches throw that out there, you know, it, it, it is in some ways reminiscent of when LaVisca Chenault was coming into his breakout season, because these are how sometimes, especially when there's no spring football, we start to learn which guys are on their way to doing something special. And then from here, we all kind of follow it. We ask about it. And people keep saying, yeah, it happens or it's not happening or whatever. But there's one more reason that I really think that Arias has a chance to break out. And I've been kind of low on Arias for a couple of reasons. One of them is because of what we've seen and because of what I've heard. You know, we've seen him make the mistakes. Um, We've or at least I've heard that for the work that he puts in, there are still some pieces that he hasn't put together yet. And for every player, that, that that's totally true. For every player, that is true. There is something that they have to work on. For him, it's the what do you do on a given play. And now that he is somebody who figures to factor in heavily in this offense, you'll remember he is the only receiver that was listed on the Buffs depth chart that was released, what, that was probably a month ago now, who didn't have an or by his name. Katie Nixon, so they list the, the three receivers. Top line, Daniel Arias is one of the receivers. In the two other spots, one is uh, Katie Nixon or Maurice Bell. The other is Katie Nixon or Dimitri Stanley. So if Dimitri Stanley wins, then... He winds up in the slot. Maurice Bell likely an outside receiver with KD moving inside the slot. That's what all that all means. And with KD being listed as an or for either of those, it means that he's going to be one of their top two receivers, likely. Daniel Arias doesn't have an or. That's big. And that's a big sign. And maybe I didn't key in on that enough. But one of the reasons that I have been kind of low on him is because it is the fact that he has made those mistakes and when you make mistakes sometimes you have to prove that you're past them before I'm willing to say yeah he's he's going to be something plus I've hitched my wagon to the KD horse that's somebody I'm willing to bet on um and we'll talk more about him later and I've hitched my wagon to some other guys and for a team that's projected to win three games according to the Athlon Sports preview how many of these guys can you really say uh, he is going to break out or I'm I'm willing to bet that he is going to break out without feeling like you're a homer, you know? And I think that that's probably been on my mind when talking about Daniel Arias just a little bit too much. And I want to get that out of the way. But I'm kind of ready to join the hype train. And a big reason for that is Carl Durrell. He is one of the best wide receiver coaches alive. You know, there there aren't many guys who you could even say are on his level. I at worst there are 5 guys who you'd rather have coaching your receivers. You know, 
pulling those names is kind of tough. Daryl Drake was one of those guys who, along with Carl Durrell, was kind of seen as the elite of the elite in terms of receivers. You know, he he was Larry Fitzgerald's receivers coach um, all the way, I mean, for a lot of his career. Um, just a couple years ago, went to the Steelers and, you know, was there for Juju Smith-Schuster's breakout. And uh, this is kind of a weird story to bring up, but he died last August at 62 um, but before his early death, you know, he was still coaching and it was kind of him and Carl Durrell who you would look at as the very best of the best in terms of coaching receivers. And there are still questions about how much time Carl will be able to devote to working with the receivers when he's running an entire program and all that stuff. But I think that having him is huge. And this kind of leads me to another piece of information that I've kind of had in my head, but I haven't let out. But during the coaching search, um, when people were wondering who will be the next head coach, I talked to a bunch of people within the program and asked around. And specifically, when you're talking to people within the program, they know Darren Cheverini really well. And they know who he's coached, and they've come into, people, or come into contact with people who he's come into contact with. And one of the things that I heard a couple of times was that NFL scouts who were coming to look at, you know, Visca or any number of these receivers who've come through this program in the last couple of years, Tony Brown, all these guys, you know, one of the things that people within the program heard a couple of times was that the receivers weren't coached up to their potential, that there were some problems with the footwork and and there were some things that need to be worked on and that's not a, a, a to say that Darren Cheverini's a bad coach or bad receivers coach I I think that he is great at his job and he is now in the perfect situation because what he is best at is recruiting and I don't think anybody would argue that point including Darren Cheverini and if this all works out in a way where Darren is out there recruiting as much as he always has, despite now having the responsibilities of being an offensive coordinator and being a play caller, and you also kind of see him take on a, a partnership, maybe would be the word to call it, where he and Carl Durrell are working closely together, probably along with the quarterback's coach, uh, Danny Langsford, and they are all devoting time to building this offense and figuring out how it's going to run. And then you have Carl Durrell and working a little bit more with receivers because Darren is spread out among these multiple roles, which is where I think he's at his best because he can coach receivers, but there is a lot on his plate. And so if Carl Durrell is able to spend some more time with these receivers, teaching what he has to, to, to teach them, I think that that would be incredible because, again, Darren Cheverini could be the best receivers coach in the Pac-12 and still have a pretty wide gap between him and Carl Durrell. And I think that it's going to be great for Darren as well to see how Cheverini coaches these or how Carl Durrell coaches these receivers. Because remember what Carl Durrell is really known for is being a developer of coaches. That's his thing. 
Like, he just runs a coaching farm, essentially. And if he says Darren Cheverini is ready to take this step as offensive coordinator, then I'm convinced that Carl Durrell is going to turn him into a good offensive coordinator and a hell of a receivers coach. And I don't think that Darren Cheverini was necessarily that far off. It's just, again, you're grading him up against the best of the best. And he's a young coach still. I didn't obviously have a chance to talk to Brady Russell this week, and we covered that in yesterday's podcast, but we did talk on yesterday's podcast about one of the things that Brady had to say, that being able to work with multiple tight ends coaches and be able to learn all the different things that they all know, because they know different things and they teach things different ways, and some things stick better with some people than others, and he says that that's been a benefit for him, to have these different voices. Well, the Buffs receivers have kind of only had this one voice for the last few years. And stability is great. Stability is so good. But being able to add another voice without losing Darren's voice, which is a very important voice to have in that receiver's room, I think that all of a sudden you could maximize this talent in a way that talent rarely is maximized at a college football level. And I don't mean for this to be a knock on Darren Cheverini. You know, you can look through pretty much any unit that the Buffs have had over the past, I mean, honestly, 10, 12 years since they're, they have struggled to make the postseason. And again, there will be plenty of flaws. There's a reason that these teams are losing, and it isn't just because they don't have talent. It's because that talent hasn't been maximized in a way that, a bunch of other schools ha are, are very good at maximizing talent. Like, that's the number one thing that you look at or s say when you look at Alabama is that they get the most out of everybody. It's not just that they bring in bigger and better and stronger players and then just say, go do your thing. It's that they're able to refine them and turn them into very good football players. And I, I mean, as the Buffs kind of continue this rebuild and try to get back to the level that they are totally capable of, and I think that they're capable of returning to that level with a coaching staff that is very similar to this one. I mean, I think it's going to take a couple of years and that's why I'm not willing to say with this coaching staff, because there's going to be turnover turnover every year. But I talked to a former player a couple of weeks ago who said that even during the rise season in 2016, that great secondary, they had issues with the play calling at points. And even though they were able to get to the bowl game, and get to a Pac-12 title game. It's not like the coaches were perfect, and there's there was still room to improve there, and there still is room to improve. And there's room to improve in other areas too, you know, in the recruiting, bringing in better talent, you know, bringing in more money from boosters, because as great of a job that Rick George has done, there's still room for improvement there, just like there's room for improvement everywhere else. And if you want to get to a championship level, you need to maximize all parts, the coaching, the the everything on the administration side, from bringing in the money to making sure that you're spending it in the right spots to making sure that you're, in doing that, focusing on what is bringing in the best talent, what is keeping the athletes healthy. You have to, I mean, there's, there's so many, so many different pieces that obviously aren't all working. Otherwise, the buffs would be going to more bowl games. And I think that now that you have this Carl Durrell, what can he get out of Daniel Arias when working with Darren Cheverini, who's been there every day and has been coaching him every day and has 
at least gotten him to this base where there's breakout potential. There's all Pac-12 potential this season. And he knows what's worked and what hasn't. And maybe you need Carl with a different coaching style to break through. I think that Daniel Arias is going to be one of the case studies on this team just because I mean, there are so many questions you can have about what's going on. I mean, what is this offense even going to look like? How is it going to be up tempo? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Is it going to be heavy? Are they going to emphasize running the ball more? Are they going to be able to have a passing attack? Is, is it going to be a bunch of RPOs? Is it going to be whatever? But one of the questions is, and one of the more exciting questions is, now that we have one of the best wide receiver coaches in the entire sport, what does that look like? When you have a guy who's six foot four and is fast and is strong and has spent this much time working on his hands, and again, we saw that every single day, every single day, what does that translate to? And I think that when you have a Darren Cheverini and you have a Carl Durrell working together to combine what they have as coaches, there's there's a really high ceiling for guys like Daniel Arias, for guys like Brendan Rice, for guys like Vontae Chenault, Dimitri Stanley, who we've already seen, Katie Nixon, who may be this type of weapon that gets to move around the offense and unlocks everything. <sighs> I, I didn't mean for this to go 30 minutes, but here we are. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that this rising star thing, that combined with the fact that he was listed without an or in that depth chart, the fact that he has spent so much time working on his hands, the fact that now he's had time to, to learn how to fit into a college offense. Because, you know, all of these guys in high school, it's pretty easy for them to win. You know, Ashad Clayton, you give him the ball, he's going to run for seven yards. That's just going to happen. It doesn't matter if he's supposed to run right and he runs left. He is just that talented. And I don't think that that was a problem, but things get a lot more complicated at the college level. You know, for Daniel Arias in particular, somebody who does have his skill set where he is big and he is fast, that is unstoppable. You could have him run to the end zone, stand there, and then have the quarterback lob up a ball, and he's going to catch that 75% of the time in high school. That makes the transition even tougher. And so I don't want to knock him too hard or have you guys take away... Well, here's, here's why I haven't shared all this information this explicitly before. It's because I don't want people to think like, oh, Daniel Arias, he's dumb. Because he isn't. It just takes time to learn an offense. And with sports fans in particular, it's so quick to spiral. Or the fact that the receivers at Colorado haven't been as polished as the receivers at Alabama, where these scouts are going. At USC, where these scouts are going. Because remember, it's not like NFL scouts are just going to every single school. They're going where there are talented players. They're going to where there are guys who are getting drafted. And so, Darren Cheverini, who, again, if we're just being honest, has been coaching at a school that has made one bowl game in the last dozen years. He's a young coach, and at this point in his career, well, at this point in his career, he's an offensive coordinator at a 
low-end Power 5 school. That's what Colorado is right now, and I think that'll change. At this point in his career, he shouldn't be able to out-coach the, the coaches you have at USC with that massive budget and the five-star prospects and, and all of that kind of stuff. Alabama, where you saw three receivers drafted, and that's where every scout who's scouting the, the receivers is going to <laughs> at least once last year and probably a bunch of times. And this is why I haven't shared that that was one of the pieces of information that I learned when I was going through this whole process was that compared to the coaches of the very best schools who coach his position, which is where Darren Cheverini will likely be in five years or in 10 years, uh, whether that's because Colorado has gotten to that level or whether because he got offered a bunch of money to take the step to that next level, or maybe he's not even coaching receivers. Maybe he's going on as an offensive coordinator or even as a head coach. We don't know, but he shouldn't be able to out-coach the guys at these big schools. Um, and that's why I want to share it because, again, sports fans... And I don't want anybody to feel targeted by this because I would do the same thing. I just think that this is going to be a great opportunity for everybody involved to, to let Darren see exactly what Carl Durrell teaches, learn that stuff, and then all of a sudden he might be able to compete. Or maybe he'll just learn, or he would have learned on his own just by going through his process a couple times. What did work? What didn't work? Because coaches develop too. You know, Taylor Embry... Someday, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a head coach, if he's an offensive coordinator. But he's young, and it's not just that he has to prove himself. It's that he has to learn more and then prove that he can put that information to work before he gets a promotion. And this was the promotion he earned by showing what he could do with the 49ers. Darren Cheverini earned his promotion. And I think that putting him as offensive coordinator was 100% the right decision. <sighs> I think it might be just time to end this rant, but I don't know. I hope that that was interesting. The point of all of this and what I hope you take away is that I think Daniel Arias is going to be a, a very good receiver. And I that transition happened for me this morning. Before, I was like, he has the potential. There's also some bust potential. Now I'm willing to say I'm betting on him reaching that because of the way that he has been talked about here because of the way the buffs obviously feel about him because he does have Carl Durrell and Darren Cheverini working with him. And because I think that this staff is ready to maximize his talents. And I think Darren Cheverini is going to be a, a big part of that. I'm so excited for football right now because I, I again, I just want to see it. I want, I want to see what it looks like. I want to see it happen. It's just been so long since we've been able to actually judge things. Uh, this was a long first segment. We're going to talk about Breckenridge Brewery real quick, and then we're going to move on to some other stuff like Katie Nixon, like the recruits who are announcing their decisions tomorrow, and Colorado's totally involved. And if I'm them, I am betting on this Buffs coaching staff because I am totally bought in, at least to the infrastructure that's been built. Um, it might take a few years for the success and postseason appearances to, to come back. I mean, I... Bowl game in 2021 should be the expectation at this point. Um, it's not out of the question this year. Uh, the bottom of the Pac-12 is not great, and the Buffs are going to need to win four games against them. 
Breckenridge Brewery, though. Uh, the 15 can sampler is incredible. I'm headed over to the DNVR bar tonight to drink a bunch of Breckenridge beers because there's so many on tap. And hopefully whatever you're doing with your 4th of July weekend will involve Breckenridge too, because I promise it'll just make everybody happy. I know that these are still like smaller gatherings. At least I hope that they're mostly going to be small gatherings. But when you have people around and you don't know what they like to drink, if you have a 15 can sampler, everybody will find something that they like because it is really good beer. And also, it won't hit you in your pocketbook. If you're trying to pick some up, head over to Davidson's um, or use the beer locator at the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where you can go, which liquor stores will have what, which uh, grocery stores will have what, the gas stations. It's, it's just perfect. It just lays it out all on a map. So take advantage. I also want to tell you about the good people over at MSU Denver online. If you're trying to go back to school and you want to do it online, you know, it's, it's actually kind of crazy. I mean, I know that at Montana where I went to school, um, they've decided that they aren't going to require masks in class. And some people obviously are like happy about it. And some people are upset. And the thought is that like, well, you can't really enforce it anyway. Cause then what are you going to do? Like, then you have like, professors kicking people out of class for not wearing masks and there's going to be the subset of people who don't believe in whatever and so they aren't wanting to wear masks and they might want to just prove a point as well and just sit there and say you're not going to kick me out so they're kind of worried about that side of things but then also they're like well are students really going to want to go to class if they know that other students aren't going to be wearing masks and so it's this whole big thing that's going on and um those are going to be the kinds of things that are kind of being discussed all over the place. And it might make sense right now to just avoid all of that and the threat of disease and all that stuff and just take some classes online. It's so easy. If you've been trying to get back to school, now's the time to do it. MSU Denver online has really been ramping up its presence. You know, it, it is kind of at the forefront of online schooling in the Rocky Mountain region. Why not just check it out? There's 750 or more courses you can take online. There's over 40 programs that'll get you a degree. So just see what you have there. See what is going on and if it's a fit and it might not be, but also there's a good chance it will be. Uh, Ali Monroy, she went to CU. Um, she is now taking some classes through MSU Denver Online. Harrison Wind, another CU grad um, who's gonna be on this podcast here at some point. Um, he's also taking, uh, some classes over there and they're both saying that it's just incredible stuff. So check it out. Go to msudenver.com slash online. See if there's anything that interests you and, uh, let us know if, if you decide that you do want to take a class because, uh, we want to hear how it goes. Um, you know, we, we've had some positive reviews so far, but the more, the better. Um, Okay, wow, I still have so many more thoughts about that. But obviously, we don't just want to talk about that all day. Again, the bottom line is I think Daniel Arias is ready to take a step. I think that Darren Cheverini, again, coaches have to develop too. He's ready to take a pretty big step, and he's in the perfect situation for it. Uh, Carl Durrell, I mean, there's a reason Taylor Embry 
decided to go to CU. And sure, he has like all the ties with Boulder and all that kind of stuff, but he had a pretty good gig. You know, he was on a team that was one play away from winning the Super Bowl. He easily could have stayed one more year, picked himself up a ring, and or at least tried to pick himself up a ring and figured things out from there. But when the opportunity to work with Carl Durrell arose and come back to Boulder and do all that kind of stuff, he took it. Um, time to jump into a uh, not-so-fun topic, but this is kind of important because I know a lot of you are kind of on the internet, and for those of you who aren't, I do kind of want to address what's going on on the internet. There was kind of a weird thing yesterday. Um, let's jump into the tweets. Uh, so Drew Wilson, the Buff strength and conditioning coach, tweeted yesterday at 9.30 a.m., if, you think, if, if you're thinking training is optional, so is playing time. Hashtag no participation trophies. Uh, for the most part, people were on the same page with Drew Wilson. Um, there were some others who thought that that tweet was inappropriate um, just because of the situation. Uh, it sounds like they're, he is taking shots at like guys who are staying home because of coronavirus. Um, again, the tweet was, if you're thinking training is optional, so is playing time. Um, I didn't read it as a threat to people for not uh, going to the bus facilities, any of that kind of stuff. I read it more as it's football. Whoever is the best player is going to play, and that's never going to change. And there might be some other conversations that need to be had about, like, there, there is that pressure. I mean, if you want a career in football, you better be working out. Easiest way to do it is to go into the bus facilities. Um, might be a little bit dangerous. You are spending some time a lot of, around a lot of guys. But if you opt out, then you better be training on your own. And they have access to the training um, information. They can go to other gyms. They could have home gyms, whatever. I read this tweet as, if you're not working you're probably not going to be the best player. And in that case, you're not going to play. Um, and I don't want to really dig too deep because this is kind of contentious. But again, it's what's going on in Buffs country. And so I do think that we need to address it here. Um, a few hours later, Kanan uh, Ray, who... Let's see, he was the list is the starter at right tackle. I think that odds are that's where he's going to wind up. Is that the starter? He was the starter out of camp last year. And then Arlington Hambite transferred in. He took the left tackle job, pushing Will Sherman to right tackle. And uh, Kanan Ray was a backup. Um, he tweeted, most of the guys that aren't coming to workouts are not at home quarantining. Some are out in places that have a higher risk of catching the virus than our controlled setting. The others just being lazy, in my opinion. And then the palms up, like, I don't know. You know, that that emoji. Um, okay. So, again, I kinda, I, I'm just repeating my stance, I guess, and we don't need to keep doing that because I think I did that too much in that first segment. But uh, if you're not at the facilities... I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that the buffs are trying to put pressure on guys to be in the facilities, but if you're not at the facilities, you better be doing the workouts at home. 
Canon Ray says that a lot of the guys who aren't going to the workouts aren't doing the workouts at home. They're being lazy. Um, and again, I don't like calling people out, but the day before yesterday, uh, Katie Nixon posted uh, a, a, a couple of pictures on his Instagram story that were pretty obviously not in Colorado. And they kind of, I mean, they kind of looked like Vegas, kind of looked like Caesar's Palace behind him. And one of them, he said like 60 floors up and he was in like a hotel room. Whatever the case, not in Colorado. And that means when he goes back to Colorado, he's going to have to go through that same quarantine period as everybody else who's returning back to Colorado did. That's seven to 14 days quarantine, no work. Um, that is the information that we have. And that is it. Everything on top of that is speculation. And I will say that before we jump all over KD, there is a very real chance that he didn't realize that he had to go through that quarantine again. That it's 4th of July weekend, that there's a good chance that workouts were off or he's only missing one workout. And again, these are all totally voluntary. And if you make it to... 27 of the 30 voluntary workouts or whatever the numbers may be you're gonna be just fine could you wind up i mean i mean what what's the difference of three workouts two workouts however many you miss by taking a few days off before the fourth of july is that a pound on your bench press two pounds on your bench press would that be the difference and then at some point in the season is there a point where he goes for a stiff arm and doesn't get it, but he would have if he was just a little bit stronger. I mean, maybe it does come into play at some point down the road. I will say, I mean, it, it's not a great look to, to miss workouts. Um, but again, sometimes fans can be a little bit overbearing on that kind of stuff. You know, whenever a team is losing and the team's social media director posts a video of guys joking around, this, everybody says, why aren't they practicing? Why aren't they doing all that? And that stuff is too far. How many voluntary workouts is the threshold of being a good team player? Um, I don't know, and I really don't want to get into it. But again, I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page of what's working on or working out here. Um, I, I haven't seen anybody else um, post anything on Instagram, and I do follow most of the guys, at least most of the starters and key rotational players i haven't noticed anything but at the same time it's instagram you can miss stuff it could be that katie didn't realize that he'd have to miss more workouts when he got back because he left the state it could be that he knew and didn't care that is all speculation and again i don't really like jumping into the speculation especially for the off the field stuff i'd love to speculate about will the buffs try to blitz more will there be more four-man fronts What's it going to look like? You know, Darian Raystra hinted at the uh, third down packages being pretty dope during the call yesterday. I'd love to speculate about that stuff in terms of what was going through somebody's head when they make this sort of off-field decision. Not, in my opinion, my territory. But I am willing to speak in very broad terms here um, just about one thing that we've kind of noticed and or at least that I've noticed and you'll remember on that first call with players uh, last week last Wednesday not a couple days ago but last week 
um, with Mustafa Johnson when Mustafa said that for the most part, everybody's on the same page, that there has been pressure to not go out, to, to not do things that get you sick. You know, even yesterday, Brady Russell saying that uh, the tight ends have been getting really close because they're spending a lot of time together because every weekend they don't want to go out to parties or go out to wherever else they could get sick. They just hang out with each other because if one of them gets sick, they're all going through workouts together. They're all probably just going to get sick at practice. You might as well have some fun off the field together without any more outside influence. Plus, you're probably keeping those guys from going out. Those were kind of like good signs, especially with the fact that only a couple of guys have tested positive compared to, you know, so far 10% of the student athletes that Kansas has tested have had the coronavirus. And they decided today that they were going to close down their facilities because of that. Um, this little flare-up, and we don't know the scale of it or anything, but we do know that Drew Wilson thought that there was a reason to tweet what he tweeted. Kanan Ray had that on his mind, and he got it out. And for some reason, and we are not in KD's head, we don't know what's going on, he could be out there working with an incredible receivers coach. And maybe in the next couple days, we'll see videos of him working with whoever he's working with a bunch of NFL guys going against pro DBs. We don't know. And I'd pressure you guys to not read too much into it, but we can say that this isn't a good sign um, that people think that they do have to speak out after we've had these actual, very good signs that told us that every precaution was being taken. And we still haven't talked about the guys who are signing tomorrow. And we'll be, we'll be getting into that after I tell you about DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of DNVR. They do a whole bunch of cool things. They're going to uh, be very involved with Buffs coverage going forward. After every game, there's going to be like the draft king of the game. Uh, obviously, there's the draft king pick of the week, which is going to be more and more geared towards college football as we move forward. Um, and and I think that's fun because a lot of you guys bet, and they are giving us a, a reason to talk through betting advice on this show, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and for those of you who don't bet... Um, go to DraftKings Sportsbook and sign up. But but also, you know, it, it is just kind of a fun lens to look at things through. And that's kind of why it's fun just to scroll through their app. That's something that I find myself doing. It's become part of my routine. You know, I go through Twitter and then 10 minutes later, go through Twitter again. 10 minutes later, I'm like, okay, I have seen everything on Twitter. So I go to Instagram. But now all of a sudden, part of that rotation is the DraftKings Sportsbook app just because I'm curious about lines. Just because I'm like, huh, I wonder what's going on in the NBA. Uh, wonder what they say is going to happen. Um, I wonder what they're saying about all sorts of this different stuff. And, and I would implore you to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app to do that, but then also to uh, bet and make yourself some money when you see something you do like. Um, again, DraftKings Sportsbook is incredible, and they have an awesome special going on, so now is the time to join in. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, uh, recruiting stuff. Uh, so actually, there's one decision that's coming today, and that's Jameer Johnson, uh, a cornerback uh, four-star, the type of guy that the Buffs need to add. You know, right now they're kind of trailing in the recruiting rankings um, for a couple reasons. The big one being that they just haven't signed many people yet, which is what you'd expect. You know, it's the same thing that happened last year, even when they had a coaching staff in place. People weren't high on Mel Tucker's recruiting class until pretty late in the recruiting cycle when Jason Harris and Ashad Clayton and some other guys signed. And I guess when they started getting some hype behind those guys too, when people started to see that that was a very real possibility. Um, This year's class is probably going to come together pretty late too. And obviously it's not coming together early. The other reason is that they haven't grabbed their first four star. And that's kind of a, a barrier that you have to break in recruiting. Jameer Johnson, uh, he's a receiver would likely play cornerback for Colorado. Uh, He's a four star, um, the 17th ranked cornerback in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite ranking. Again, that combines 24-7's ranking with ESPN's and with rivals to make just one mother of all recruiting rankings. Um, he's making his decision today, and uh, that should be coming in the next couple hours. So if you're listening to this, maybe Google his name right now and just see what he decided. Um didn't seem all that likely that it would be Colorado. Um, one of five teams with Arizona State, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it falls. The fact that Colorado's still in it this late is a good sign. Um, one more interesting note on him is that in the 24-7 scouting report, Greg Biggins has his comparison as Chidobe Awuzie. So that'd be fun. Oh, also want to add, uh, he is being recruited by Demetrius Martin, uh, the uh, cornerbacks coach at Colorado, a guy who has a very high profile as a recruiting, specifically in the Southern California area. We've talked about him a bunch on this podcast. Um, this is his first test, really. The big guy, the one that I think is essential for Colorado, is Eric Olson. He's making his decision at 4 o'clock on Saturday, 4th of July, um, he's a tight end and we've talked a lot about the importance of tight ends in this offense. Um, you know, being able to work with Taylor Embry, the fact that, uh, earlier in his career, back when he was running offenses, Carl Durrell did use multiple tight ends. The fact that when Colorado has been successful, just in general, making postseasons consistently, they've been kind of that power football team. Well, Eric Olson is a four-star tight end, and he is from Colorado. He went to high school in Littleton at Heritage High School. Um, he's narrowed it down to UCLA, Stanford, Washington, Notre Dame, and of course Colorado. One in five, and I think that this is going to be big for this coaching staff going forward because the Buffs have struggled to keep the high-end in-state recruits at Colorado. They've been leaking out. And this would be one that would be big to shore up. And I think that 
when you look at who he is, a tight end, with the opportunity to come to an offense that likely will feature tight ends, to work with Taylor Embry. A lot of things are working in Colorado's favor, especially that he wasn't able to go to in-person visits at these other schools. And it's tough to commit somewhere blind, and I think that that gives Colorado a leg up because, I mean, I'm sure he's been to Boulder a few times in his life. These are kind of the big names to watch these next couple days, uh, so keep an eye on those. Oh, there's, there, I wanted to get to so much more stuff today, but there just wasn't time. I'll be back at some point this weekend because there's just too much left to talk about. Um, again, I, I want to make my takeaways from this podcast as clear as I can. Um, I, I'm, I'm on the Daniel Arias hype train. You know, every player has flaws, either that or they play like Visca. And even Visca got hurt quite a bit, and he had that flaw too. Daniel Arias, of course, had flaws because he only has three career catches, and I think he's ready to get past those. Darren Cheverini has had his own flaws, and the fact that scouts have said that he hasn't maximized the talent he's been given, honestly, that shouldn't be a surprise at this point in his career because very few coaches actually do pull the absolute best out of players. And I think that within five to 10 years, there's a very good chance that Darren Cheverini becomes one of that small group of coaches, but coaches develop too. You don't progress through the coaching ranks by, by proving that you have what it takes. It's by learning and then proving and then learning again and then proving. And you just keep moving up the totem pole. You learn from the people who you now have access to. And then you prove that you can put that to work and take a step up right now. He is a offensive coordinator and offensive coordinator at a low-end Power 5 school. Colorado could not be a low-end school, and I hope people don't hate me for saying that, but at this point, that's what they are, and that's where Darren Cheverini is in his career. And that's a lot further than a lot of football coaches make it, and I think that he will progress, and it could be that that progression continues at Colorado because Colorado is moving up through the tiers and that he doesn't have to leave to go other places. Um, but that's really what I see. And I think that the fact that he has room to grow should be seen as a good thing. And the fact that Carl Durrell bets on him to be his offensive coordinator, to be his receivers coach. I think that that's a very good sign as well. Um, because Carl Durrell is known as one of those guys who can produce good coaches. Uh, Kyle Shanahan got his coaching start under Carl Durrell. So there's a big one for you. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. And uh, there's plenty other stuff you could recap. But let's just get out of here. I'll be back again at some point this weekend. Um, was there some fun stuff to talk about? I thought there was something fun to talk about that I wanted to talk about. But I'll have to go back through my notes. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoy the 4th of July. Stay safe. The virus doesn't celebrate holidays, probably. I don't know about viruses, but I guess that it's not like taking a day off. All right. See you later. Way. My Colorado swag.
swag. My Colorado swag yeah. is pushing 180. Speed and pad competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Whoa. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey. Hey. You on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? I'm bold in Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of war. Got me feeling tribal, big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you want it, come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Why you make it, why you make it, yeah, you better bring your Bible Great big, blind side, flat line, no revival Get them bust, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them If we don't, then we'll get them When we see them, then we have them like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play